This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. This podcast was recorded on traditional Denizal land. And welcome to Before the Peace. I am one of your hosts, Jenna Moreland, and I'm here with my co-host and producer of the podcast, Trey Lapashinsky. Hello, hello. Uh, so this was the very first episode that Trey did without me. Wah. I'm sad. <laughs> I was I, too. <laughs> I had major FOMO. Uh, but I'll be back. Well, I'm back right now. So you haven't gotten rid of me quite yet. Uh, but how did it go? Who did you talk to? So I talked with Sandra Sasson, who was absolutely lovely. Like for the first episode I've done with Before the Peace by myself, couldn't have been better um, besides getting to Blueberry River First Nation, but we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> uh, we had such a great ch- a chat about trapping, beating, and what she and Blueberry are doing to keep traditions alive by hosting workshops with elders and youth. So they're incorporating uh, elders in to kind of host the workshops and then youth come in, learn from the elders, and it's basically um, just a big meeting, right? Like, so... They can do their own things, but then they can ask questions to the elders and they can hear stories from them. And it's That's just really getting cool. the youth and elders together, essentially, yeah. and to talk about traditions, which is just really interesting because a lot of the guests we've had over the past year and a bit, we've talked about the loss of tradition. And uh, Sandra and I talked about that um, quite we focused on it quite uh, quite heavily in the, in the episode. Um, she is the elder coordinator with Blueberry River First Nation. Uh, she told me some stories about trapping with elders. We also talked about her upbringing, her family, and some history she had working in the oil and gas industry. And I also asked her about elders etiquette. So that came from when we interviewed Jerry Attachi. Um, during that time, you and I had talked about how he was like talking really like slow, like he had a great memory, mm-hmm. but you know, he was taking his time to remember things and he would pause and like look at his hands. And I know you and me afterwards, like we've, we would, we felt disrespectful to like go into that interrupt, interrupt yeah. or like, even if it was a moment of silence and, and there's dead air there, we still let him talk, which is like out of the realm of my training because mm-hmm. in radio, you got to fill the space. Um, you got to fill the space. <laughs> like any for podcasts I've done in the past, you have to fill that space in and keep talking. But it just felt right to let him like kind of simmer in what he was talking about. I love I love that you guys talked about the elder etiquette mm-hmm. because I think it's something that um, most people don't know about yeah. and should know. Because about. I, I, I think it's not something really talked about. I think it's you grow up with it. Like yeah. You learn. And so I was just so curious coming out of Jerry Tachi and Sandra didn't really comment on um, like conversations with them. But one thing she did note was uh, elders, you never tell them what time, mm-hmm. you never tell them what time they have to meet you or be there. The elder picks the time and the place and they just they show up. or Which is so good to them. know for future reference when we're booking mm-hmm. these times with these people. I think it's, yeah, like that's so good mm-hmm. to know. Mm-hmm. And and we don't know until we ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and, and we've been told a couple times, just show up and see if they're there, right? And yeah. it is a little difficult for us because we're so busy all the mm-hmm. time that we need a schedule. But 
you know, it does help us and we do want to respect them. So like, I think even with Jerry, like we didn't really give him a time. It was just like, when are you going to be in Doig? Yeah. We and just then, said, we'll be there in the afternoon yeah. and we'll and see then, ya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was, it was a wonderful conversation, dude. Like I, I really, really, really missed being there and, mm-hmm. and I hope I'm not away for too long, but like the one thing I didn't miss was your little adventure out there. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? <sighs> so getting right into it. Eh? Okay. So <laughs> I, I'm notoriously really bad with directions. Um, so I use Google maps quite frequently. Uh, I've lived in the region for two years now. I know the area. But sometimes it just doesn't work out for me. Like, I can legitimately put something in Google Maps in Fort St. John. And if it gives me the I follow Google Maps. Yeah. It will send me somewhere wrong. So what had happened, first time Blueberry River First Nation, um, I put it in Google Maps. (laughs) Took me the completely wrong way. I ended up on a abandoned log road. I don't know if it's abandoned, but there was only like one truck track on it. I ended up on this logging road. And as I was going down it, I realized, oh, this isn't the right way. I tried to reverse the car and I couldn't. Like it was so icy that I could not reverse it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going. Man, I ended up like two clicks down this road. Oh, like really? I didn't know that you got oh, so yeah. it far was down that road. Lane. Like there was nowhere to turn. Like, oh. I was, so then I get to this part that's a little more open. I see logs everywhere. Uh, so I see this part to turn. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and do a Yui here. So I go in slip right into like a ditch that was under the snow. (laughs) Um, The picture didn't look like much, but like I tried everything. I was stuck there for two hours. I was waiting for my boss who had to come and pull me out of it. Yeah. Um, I tried everything. I was like breaking sticks and putting them under the tire. I tried lifting the car myself. (laughs) Oh my God. I was pushing it. I was trying everything. For those two hours, I was trying to get that car unstuck. Oh, uh, and I hate that was I wasn't there because I feel like if I was there, I would have been able to drive. You would have been able to push and then we would have been able to get well, out okay. The thing is, is if you were driving, we that wouldn't have happened. Uh, yeah. That wouldn't have happened. I know it wouldn't have happened. So I well, was, it was. It but was honestly, it's an, it's an easy mistake to make. I wouldn't. So I only knew about the Google map thing because the first time I ever went out to the Doig, which was about four years ago, mm. um, a friend of mine was working out there and he said, and he said, do not take Google, like don't plug it into Google maps. So that was the only reason why I would have even considered not using Google maps well, was because I've been told that before. Yeah. So it's, it's an easy mistake to make. Well, it's funny because I, I, when I got to the office finally, so I was supposed to meet Sandra at 11 AM. I ended up meeting her at 2 PM. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I get there and they're all laughing and they're like, yeah, yeah, it happens. That <laughs> yeah. People always end up in outside of the first. Yeah, nation. I don't think you're the first one no, to have that happen. I'm definitely not. Actually, it's funny. Our uh, our indigenous voices reporter, uh, Man Vapreet, he went to Doig yesterday uh, to talk with Trevor McConaughey about a story, and he uh, he got stuck. I didn't know until he got back. But apparently he was so close to Doig, he phoned them and they came and uh, helped him out. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so nice. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's even worse for Manvapri because he's not used to the snow. Yeah. Like, he came straight from India to Victoria and then lived in Victoria for the past couple of years. And then when he got here a couple months ago, 
culture shock. Huge. I like, mean, Victoria he's not even to here. Plugging in vehicles like uh, for the snow. Like it, he didn't know about like winter wear. Like it was. It was like. It was surprising to me because I'm Albertan, right? Like yeah. I was born and raised Albertan. I know about winter. So it was just crazy for me. But yeah. Yeah. Don't use Google Maps <laughs> is, is, the, is the lesson here. It Quite was the like, adventure. I was so defeated. I was so proud of myself for still going to Blueberry and not just calling it quits. It was a Monday too. Yeah. So it was just like the worst Monday. No, I'm glad you charged on and got oh, the interview. Yeah. I was like, no, I need to get this interview. I got there. Sandra was so understanding. So chill. So gracious. And we also, haven't had a female on in a while. So yeah, this is nice. Yeah. It's been a little bit. And this is the perfect, it was the perfect guest. And so have. Sandra's the mum of Judy, Judy yep. the chief out at Blueberry. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. So, and you'll, we talk. So what I tried to do is I didn't really want to talk about Judy too much. Because I we understand. Because you want to have Judy on. Yeah. yeah. So I did mention that she's the mother of, of Judy Desjardins. Her mother, May, is an elder with Blueberry River First Nation. Um, and then, you know, near the end of the episode, I, I kind of ask, because I had to, I, I had to ask one question of like, from her perspective, what is it like seeing your daughter become uh, on chief of the First Nation and mm. kind of get thrown into the deep end? Yeah. And like instantly is working with the province on the cumulative impacts agreements and, and things like that. So um, she had a great answer. The first thing she said is, no, oh, she's my boss. Oh, oh, oh it was just a funny little Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, I no spoilers. spoilers. See, that's why I need Jenna with me all the time <laughs> so I don't spoil stuff. This is why she's in the intro, oh right? God. She's not doing the interviews for a couple months, but she's in the intro, so I shut my mouth sometimes. <laughs> uh, so we actually got a really nice email from one of our listeners. Yes. Uh, so I, I just want to encourage people to continue doing that. It really means a lot to us. Um, before the piece at energeticcity.ca for any comments or story ideas that you have. Because I, I really... That made us feel really great. Mm. And it also... Um, basically she, she kind of, I don't know, should we read out? Are we allowed to read out? I'm going to read it out. Okay. Okay. Let's just read it out. Then I'll stop mumbling. I, uh, I won't say (laughs) I'm keeping all this in, by the way, I won't say that, um, I won't say the individual's last name. So if you're listening, I'm going to say your first name though, because you're awesome. And it made us feel really good because like we've been saying in the previous episodes, we haven't got a lot of people like emailing us. We've got a couple. And now we n- now nice we have, comments. Yeah, which is awesome. Got so a couple keep them asking. coming. So keep them coming, please. Uh, you know, let us know. Even if there's something you're like curious about, or if you want us to touch on a different topic, or if you don't like an episode that we that we did, we're we're still learning. Like mm-hmm. you know, we're in year two, but we're still learning. So please, 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 anything you guys have for us, please send it to us. Um, did you say the email? No. Oh, before the piece at energetic. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, yeah, okay, I did. Sweet. <laughs> I thought so, you meant that email. <laughs> so this is from Sherry. Uh, Sherry said, I am born and raised in the North Peace and, of course, know some of the indigenous people here. However, I must say that listening to your podcast this last year, I have grown to acknowledge and respect a whole different side to their life here. I am proud of them and the work they have done to get to where they are at today, even though we parentheses white have not made it easy or have discriminated discriminated against them you have done a fantastic job of educating all of us on their beliefs and their wisdom i thank you for your work i hope you i hope going forward i personally see our indigenous population in a whole new light because of it that's incredible i got chills again yeah i i just like this is what we've wanted from the beginning of this this is why we do it yeah 
100%. So thank you so much. Yes, and, Sherry, yes. you're wonderful. You also share the same first name as my mom. So uh, you're now my Fort St. John mom. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but that's just how it goes, right? <laughs> and of course, uh, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of Troyer Ventures. Troyer has been serving our community and the energy industry and with tank and back trucks since 2000. They're built on the principles of hard work, service, and community, and they're proud to offer the financial support to make this program possible. Also, shout out to Epscan Industries, who are known for building excellence safely. We also did want to send our condolences out to um, the family of Epscan founder, Don Sterling, who passed away earlier this month. Um, it's, I don't know what else to say to that. It's, it's really sad. Epscan has been, um, you know, promoting, not promoting, but sponsoring the podcast for how long now? It's been almost a year, I think. Yeah, they're coming up on a year. Um, it was right around Healing the Hoop that mm. they started sponsoring it. So coming up on a year, uh, but they've been in the community for, yeah, for oh time. my gosh, yeah. like 40 years or something, mm. I think, or actually Epscan was started in 1977. Wow. So They've been in the Fort St. John community for a long time and they've done a lot of good and they've been very supportive. So, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah. Condolences. condolences. Yeah. Out to Sterling's family and the Epscan family too. Uh, we know a couple people there and obviously it, it's, it's, uh, no one likes to hear that type of news. So condolences out to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, getting into the socials. We didn't say our oh, socials, yeah, how to right. get through to us. Uh, <laughs> we- Jenna's been still keeping up with our, our social media. Uh, I don't know if as much as before, I think it's the same. Right? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Trey actually sent me a photo that I posted on Instagram. So to go take a look at her Instagram and check out what Sandra. Oh, hi. <laughs> I met him last night at the oil and gas uh, oh or at God. the oil mins last night. Um, just one second. <laughs> he <laughs> wants to show us a map from yeah. like, it's like a hand drawn map from like 1940 or oh something. Gosh, it so it's beautiful. We got to get a picture. Of that. I, I, yeah. For I'm, the socials. <laughs> maybe I'll put that on social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, at before the peace on Instagram and at before the peace underscore on Twitter. So make sure you give us a follow and check out the new picture and maybe a map to come. Let's get into the episode with Sandra. So Sandra, you trap, you bead, you sew, you're a jack of all trades, uh, very self-sufficient. Do you ever think I'm doing something that is very important because I'm practicing my culture, my traditions while you're doing these activities, such as, like I said, sewing? Yes, I I think I am doing something important because we are in the process of trying to bring back our language, which is Cree and Beaver, and trying to... Uh, introduced our cultural knowledge to our children so they can, even if they know the basics of even just to snare rabbits. and um, Because it is really important. Um, come to think about it, I, I really, I realized that to have the knowledge of the culture and the language um, makes me really proud of who I am. Like a lot of it is lost, but there's still a lot of us that are born, that are my generation. We still hold on to the idea of of our of what we were taught when we were growing up. So now it's up to, I have three grandchildren, four grandchildren, and one great granddaughter. 
And I want to care. I want them to know this. I want them to know about this because I think our culture, our culture and our, our old way of life is important for them. They can combine it with their their modern modern education and technology. And I think it's really important. Like education is. Um, my grandmother always said, "Modern education." And our way of life, our traditional way of life was really important because we need that. We need to walk in two worlds to survive because she never had a chance to, but um, now I have the chance to do that. I like to see that to continue. And I've talked with, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for, you know, almost two years, and we've talked to a lot of people who, when we ask about traditions that are dying, Cree and Beaver are one of them, specifically with languages. Is there any other activities like trapping, for instance? Do you think that's something that has the potential where less and less people are doing it? Because at the same time, I see on, like, TikTok, which is a social media, a big social media craze where there's a lot of indigenous creators who are putting their culture out there. So is it actually dying? Because these young people, as you say, are, it seems like, putting their foot forward to try and make sure that these traditions and the cultures aren't dying. Um, It is, it is, it seems, it seems that way, but I think it's, um, I know for me, like, it just, if you look around, it seems like it's dying, but we do have that knowledge in us. It's just to get motivated to go out there and say, okay, actually, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're, let's do it, like, bringing the idea out and then using your your elders, like, our sewing, our sewing class we started last year. I didn't know what I was doing or how I was going to do it, but then I... Um, uh, Chief and Council said, "Give us a proposal. Tell us what you want to do with the elders, with the elders program." So, um, so I started. So I started out, and I start, and then I said, "Okay, I'm going to do a, a moccasin, moccasin making and sewing skirt, sewing night." So then I got two elders, and we started that in October, and it's been going. It's been going. We still lack um, attendance. Like, it's just, I think the idea of having a classroom, I think that, I think that uh, turns, turns off a lot of the generation because if you really look at it, like a lot of, um, a lot of our trauma, our, I mean, my childhood trauma was um, Indian day school. That's how we lost our language. You know, they tell us we're not going to speak our language. We have to speak English. And they used to tell us, you know, every day they give us verbal abuse. You know, we're, we're going to be no good. We're going to be drunks like our, our, our parents and our grandparents. Every day after school, when I go home from the Indian day school, um, I was with my grandmother and then my, 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 my dad. And my dad asked me what I did in school. And it's funny, I do that every day now with my grandkids. <laughs> I asked them what they learned in school. Yeah. And um, the oldest, um, uh, the second one always tell me they never learned anything. And I said, I believe you. School District 60, they're not going to teach us anything. So uh, that's S- another. Specifically with the yeah. culture, right? Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, and, and people have said this time and time again, but, you know, 
coming back out of the day schools, residential schools. I mean, indigenous people are so resilient because they were, there was literally, they were literally trying to get rid of your language yeah. and it still lived. So yeah. do you think now, even though, um, members are still practicing the language, you think that worry is still there because of the past trauma? Like we cannot let our language disappear. We can't, but yeah. um, what I think what happened there is just, um, it's been a last terrible years, especially after COVID, like everybody was, we were in isolation. And then this is where all the, all the social issues come up, like the mental illness and the mental, like it's just kind of scary, like all that too, like whatever happens in the, in, in the outside world, it really affects us a lot, and uh, even though we're isolated from 14, from the rest of the world, but it still, it, it affects us. Like, whatever happens out there comes over here, and we're in a small community, and we have, we don't have a lot of services, like, um, in 14 John. Like, if we have to go to a doctor, we have to go to tra travel one hour away. So, uh, I think a lot of that is... Um, um, there is a lot of fear, but we're trying to beat the fear now. Like we're trying to say it's okay now. We're we're like a lot of us. We get our needles. We get our, we get um, our shots. Or uh, we should be okay. And then we just you know, a lot of social distance, safe, like six six meters apart. Yeah, the so a lot of yeah, yeah. So social distance is is really pretty good here. So. Well, and you guys have, like you were saying, you you brought up. So you're the elders coordinator with Blueberry, right? And so you created um, the sewing class for sewing moccasins, and or is this the one coming up? Is this separate from the classes you've done before? Because you, I know you have the sewing moss moccasins. No, that's the same skirts. one. Oh, it is. Okay. That's the same one. And so this is just for elders. That's for elders. Well, I'm using elders as the as the teachers, and mm -hmm. I coordinate it. So then we invite the young people to come in, and then they teach them how to, uh, uh, you know, measure their footwear, cut it out, how to sew it, and stuff like that. So, Do you think less members are coming to the classes because generally, like elders back in the day, it's just you go to another member's home, and it's just kind mm -hmm. of like you hang out? Is that why? Because it, it's more like set in stone as classes, as opposed to like, hey, I'm going to Sandra's house. We're going to make some ribbon skirts. I think so. I mean, I think... I seem to think it's because we say classes and then they're just like, well, oh, you're not going to teach me anything. No. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So, so it really did affect a lot of our, I mean, my generation and my parent generation, it was the Indian day school. A lot of us never went to residential, residential schools. So we were affected mainly by the Indian day school. So, um, I seem to think like in my job and, my everyday and whatever activities I do, and I think, I, uh, I was thinking maybe, maybe we should change. Maybe we shouldn't use classes. Let's use gathering. I'm gonna try that. See what happens. Because every time we say classes, and then everybody's just like, we can't get the interest there. So now what I'm gonna do is one of my plans is to, let's have these. Um, we're going outside and we're gonna do something. Like we're gonna go trap. Um, we're gonna go set rabbit snares. Mm. Um, we are. We were in the process of trying to set some, do some little trapping for, because we do need fur for our, um, our gloves, gloves. like oh, okay. this or, our. Um, take some pictures yeah. of those. Yeah. 
And then, um, so that's something we want to do. And uh, we did, we did, the elder and I went out first week of, um, of, of January. And, um, but the snow was too deep. Like, oh, we couldn't walk out. It was terrible. Like, it was bright. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it was so deep. It was really hard to walk. So I looked at her and I said, <laughs> she said, how about we use, um, she wanted to use snowshoes. Like mm. she had a solution for everything, but I'm like, I said, I'm worried about you. Yeah. She, she's worried about me too. What about <laughs> you? I don't want you to get hurt. Like, so, and I'm like, no, let's just, let's just go beside the road. And then that's it. And we did it for three days. And uh, then it started snowing again. So I said, well, I can't take you out there because it's snowing. And when we did go up north, uh, we were, first day of problem we ran into was uh, we needed the, um, you need to have a radio for the road, road with the road channels mm -hmm. because there was a lot of, there was still like oil and gas activity out there. Mm -hmm. So we ran into that problem. I had to go to Fortune Dawn, get my vehicle all equipped with the radio and all the channels and once we were done and then it was the snow and then the weather we were just running into things there was just two of us but it's okay i said let's go try this out see how it's gonna work and this is for snaring rabbits rest yes uh, just to, to interject there what does snaring rabbits mean is it just trapping them like yeah just we're just sitting you know you go you, we actually set an actual snare well we first of all we got to find a rabbit trail okay where you see a lot of activity then you'll see You'll see one path where they used it a lot. So this is where then you gotta use your skills and then you set your you set your snares. But that means you gotta go check it every morning early. You gotta go check it so that way, you know, um, the ravens don't come out and get it if, if you did get something in your in your snare, then you have to get there before the crows wake up. So you know? by the from the time that you set the snare when are you going to check it again? So if we set it today, like if we set it right now about 3 o'clock, mm -hmm. then tomorrow morning about 7 o'clock, 7.30, when it's first the daylight, probably about 7.30, it'd be awesome. Go out there and then we got to check it. So then with the rabbits, you snared the rabbits, you caught some, ravens didn't get it. What are you doing with, with the rabbit from there? So then, um, so then we give the, uh, we'll clean it up, we'll dress it, and then we'll keep the fur, drive the fur, then we can use it for our slippers. And then the meat would be fresh, the rabbit meat would be fresh meat for the elders because um, they like fresh meat, like wild meat. Mm -hmm. So that, that would be food for them. They would love it. So for, for, so snaring rabbits, that's trapping, right? Is that yep. part of trapping? Yep. So for someone like myself, because I, I know like the very basics to trapping, but for me, mm -hmm. for any resident who's listening to this has no idea what trapping is and they mm -hmm. came and asked you, how would you explain it to them? What is trapping? So trapping you could use, like trapping, a uh, generation before us, uh, my ancestors, they used trapping for, um, for, for survival. They had to get the fur for either Hudson Bay or else they, this was another source of income for them. For us today, we've, uh, we use it on our, on our moose height um, slippers. We can use it on our, our, um, our gloves, our moose height gloves as a, as a fur trim. And it, 
It just adds beauty to the to the uh, moose hide. Eh? So. Yeah, for the listeners, I took some yeah. pictures. I'll put it up on uh, our Instagram. The, they look beautiful. Those cliffs and they the moose hide. Like if so, I just talked with uh, a member of Doig River, and he just got a moose hide jacket, mm-hmm. and he was saying they last. Yep, they for last for. This is gonna last long, forever. Long yeah. like, you know, these are not to use for work. Like mm-hmm. these are to Keep for up. a special. A special okay. day, like if you're going to a meeting, then you wear these. Um, um, so if you were going out to snare rabbits, you wouldn't be wearing I that. wouldn't be wearing no, these, no. No. Okay. no. I wouldn't be wearing these. And they're just for, now it's just for, um, to show an identity of our culture, mm-hmm. like what we do with our moose hides. And so trapping was a, is a way right now, um, Trapping, we haven't trapped for so many years, not as not as much as our ancestors did, but we're bringing it back. Like part of this elders program, I like to bring it back so we can show, this is, the, this is where we're going to show the skills to these young people um, taught by the elders of how you make, like there's a certain way you snare, like how to snare a rabbit, where to snare it, when and what to do. All this is going to be taught an outside setting and then as for the links and then we also saw there was the the links keep getting into our our rabbit snares the first day it tore it tore the it uh took my whole snare away so there must have been a rabbit there and it took and then so so the elder told me well we're gonna have to snare these snare these link so then i got i got two i got i got uh link snares from my brother and he was telling me how to make it. Like it, it sounds easy, but I don't think it is. Like, you know, you got to kind of, you got to figure out, like if, you're, if your rabbit trail is there, then you got to figure out where they're coming from. Like you got to find their trail. And then when you do it, then you make a, you, then you make a snare. Like you got to kind of make like a teepee. Uh, it looks like a teepee, but it's all full of uh, small uh, willows and, Everything set against the tree, mm-hmm. and then you put the snare in there. Then you put you also you put the bait. Okay. And my brother was telling me that um, the bait they used, um, you could either use perfume, or else you could oh. use um, um, uh, what they called a uh, beer. He made. He said I made. He made. Um, he made link bait, and it was out of beaver caster. Oh, and it. Um, it looks like he mixed it with uh, like tar, oh, yeah, okay, like okay. a paste. It is a paste. Okay. So then you put it, you set it over, you smear it so mm-hmm. you can smell it, and of course it comes along, and he'll look for it, and you got to figure out what he's gonna. This is where you gotta. Yeah, because like my my biggest question is, is he gonna go into the trap? He right? is. He's gonna okay. go in there. Right. He's curious, and you got to make sure he's the snare. His head is gonna go into so the snare, because my brother was telling me. When they look in, they their head go down. So you gotta put the snare down. Like this is he was telling me how to how to how to trap this uh, length in like twenty minutes, and he was just using his hands. And I'm like, okay, and you know I was gonna get my okay. I need I need to write this down. And he says, well I can. He said, if you run into problems, come see me again. So then so I. As I'm coming and then I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And so I talk with the elder and I said, I got the lynx nurse. I got the beaver caster bait. And then he says, uh, she says, I says, you know, you know what, the, you, you know what, what we're doing? 
She said, oh, yeah, I know what they're doing. She said, you? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a lot of fun. Like, it was, even though it was a lot of, um, we um, we had problems walking in the snow and stuff like that. But I think one of the things I noticed in those four days was um, uh, by day four, we were both tired. Mm-hmm. And because we were getting up in the morning and we're going out. And at the same Long time, days, right? and then we're communicating, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm asking her questions. And um, so by the time about three o'clock come, I know she's tired and like she just, she's tired and just hungry. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll go take you. So I took her to Shepherd's Inn and then I feed her and I said, okay, I'll take you home now. So I brought her home. And, um, but I think the time, I think what we, um, what I noticed there was um, we were developing this, um, we were, we had this like a like a like a learning bond like a i was connection. just i was we were just connecting to each yeah. other there was a lot of laughter we sure laughed a lot and and then uh, i said well too bad she said well let's go back over there so then now um what i plan to do is i'm trying to make a session we're going to go out in the field but we're actually going to go to the ping mountain ranch and we're going to stay there i gotta go look at it i gotta I got to do some planning there. I got to figure out about our water. We got to figure out our bathroom stuff and uh, wood. I got to make sure somebody's there to have wood. Who's going to keep the fire going to keep them warm? So that's what I'm. That's one of my plans I'm doing right now. So just to take them out, mm-hmm. to take them out, and we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this, all these programs we're doing because we need to get it better, and we need to bring these kids in and. Um, like I say that my thought is when I said classes, that's when everybody did just turned them off or just like, no, I don't think we want to. So, but you, you said you had a few coming in with the last classes, Yes, right? we did. So, I mean, I guess you're just going to keep doing it until yeah. hopefully and figure out a way to bring more and yeah. more people in and then it's going to gradually take off, right? Yeah. With the, the youth coming in. So basically how you have it is, so for the sewing class, I'm just looking at the sheet you have here. So you have a set amount of, of elders, including your mother, May, yeah. um, coming in and then uh, it says moms and youth. So, yep. so so how does that work? So you then have moms coming in with their kids and they kind of learn from the elders? Well, I'm hoping we can kind of um, make it into a moms and taught program as part of um, part of education where we can have the moms and the, their little babies, like their toddlers. Mm-hmm. So I think this is where we're going to have to start teaching them, especially the language. Mm-hmm. And every time we're... Um, Tuesday night is going to be exciting for our our sewing um, our sewing night because I'm going to combine it with our Korean beaver classes. We got an extension on that. We got a grant from the New Relationship Trust for ten thousand dollars. It's an it's a Korean beaver language initiative for the elders and the youth, and we got an extension to February twenty fourth. So I'm going to combine it with this with our sewing classes. So. While we're sewing, then at the same time, we're going to tell them, okay, this is what you're doing. This is the mitts. They're called bot. Mm. Um, and have it learn yeah, like yeah, that. So, okay. so you got have the Tuesdays and Thursdays, so you're going to combine the language with the actual sewing and, and ribbon yeah. skirt classes. And so, I mean, again, the hope there, obviously, with you combining it in there is if a youth doesn't know the word, you have elders who can help them out as well who are... Yeah. And, I mean, my biggest question, too, and I, I, I think I know the answer, but 
Are there any elders that have lo- are losing their language they find? Or I, I feel like most elders practice it. Like when I've talked to most elders, they they know Cree or Beaver or both. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you find there's any elders who've had to go to the workshops to kind of reignite the language again because maybe they haven't used it as much over the years? Um, no, I, I haven't. No, not really. It like, seems like know, a rarity, they, yeah. They, it just it stays in mm-hmm. them. Like, like for myself, I find that um, I'd... I really lost my language. I never spoke, we never spoke, spoken our language for years, like I'd say about maybe 20, 25, 30 years. But then when these, we started doing our beaver and our Cree languages, it all came, like everything, even it was just coming out beautifully. Mm-hmm. Like the word, the, the words I used to look at that I say I can't say, it's, it just comes out automatically now. Like I think that's, I think that's just, um, with the elders too, like it doesn't, it's there. Maybe it's not spoken, but it's there. But then when they, when somebody else starts speaking and they, it'll just, it all comes alive in them again, mm-hmm. their memory. So. The, the, the people around you who are practicing mm-hmm. it still. And, and I've seen elders, um, when they're talking to youth, they'll talk to them in their language yeah. to get them used to it. Right. So yeah. they know what they're saying, which is awesome. So with, with your position here, with the elders coordinator, um, with the classes that you're doing, with all you've learned with snare and trapping, where did that come from? I want to get get you know go into the past into your upbringing. I've heard you're very close with your mom, May. Yeah. Is is that where that comes from? Yes, my uh, my parents and my grandparents. We grew up. Uh, my parents. Um, my parents always had a big garden, and my dad would hunt moose every day, every uh, once a week. And we always had, we're always either making dry meat or making moose hide or my mom's doing something. So, so and then, and my grandparents, my, my grandparents live right next door. So every time my dad got a moose then, or then my grandmother would come over and then her and my mom, they would, you know, okay, then they start planning what they're going to do with them. Which, which, um, are they going to make the hand quarter? Or are they going to use the front shoulder or the hand quarter for dry meat? What they're going to do with the ribs? I, I, it's, it's amazing how they, I mean, right now you look at it, you never think they had this planning thing. It was a planning thing before they do anything. Mm. So um, they were communicating with each other, say, okay, this is what we're going to do. But these four quarters, we're going to make dry meat out of. But uh, this... These other parts, we're going to smoke them and then cut up the ribs. And then this, we're going to... So so there was a lot of planning like that. And I never really thought it was planning until now. I realized, wow, that's what they did. Like, it was did they all- do it so far as like, oh, we have this much meat that we can use yeah. for this many days. This yeah. might need to be yeah. frozen or whatever. Because mm-hmm. did you guys ever freeze the meat? No, we didn't have any. Only in the wintertime. Yeah, that's what I was um, going to say. In the winter, you um, just put it outside. A lot of it was... Um, there was a lot of smoking, and I uh, did a lot of smoking mm. and a lot of uh, dry meat. They okay. cut it into yeah, because um, then it lasts yeah. longer, right? It lasts longer, and they usually have to get like a lot of moose, like maybe four moose, like because big families, right? Mm. In a community in Old Blueberry Reserve, we used to share share meat. Um, you don't see that nowadays, but um, when my dad used to kill a moose, and it was I had the honors to go feed all the elders, go walk over there. Me and my brothers would go take over, take meat over there to feed the, feed, 
my grandma or else uh, feed our neighbor across the road. And it was, um, it was, it was a good, it was a good thing. I wish they could go back and do that nowadays and they can see that, you know, there was a lot of, it was, it was a community then. Like everybody share with what they got. And it was, uh, it was a good, good thing. Like maybe hardly any words exchange. It was just seemed like it was something to do mm-hmm. when there was fresh meat. And then so my mom would be, you know, cutting up meat. Okay, this one here, go to your grandma. This one here, go to your Kokum Nora or... And so it was. It was pretty neat, you know. I wish these. I wish we could bring. Like, I think that part of bringing our culture and our knowledge back is to see that um, as a community, you know, sharing is one of the biggest things, and sharing and respect. I, I think. I think it can move in that direction because mm-hmm. it seems like. You know, it seems like you're, even with the workshops itself, not even in your own personal life with your family, but it seems like you're trying to bring that back and and these old uh, traditions or Mm -hmm. just keeping these things alive alive to have these younger people learning. So even you telling these stories, right, that might help spark that in the future. You know, obviously, you know, hunting is not so much as as of late it's more so i guess i mean for recreational purposes more so for non-indigenous but i mean i would assume that for indigenous people you guys are hunting less and less now too right yes we are because there's a lot of um um our moose is like the the moose population has gone down and we see a lot of uh we see a lot of uh, cow moose, and we don't want to shoot cow moose because they need to. Because right now they're probably, they're probably a lot of them are going to be calving here in May, so we don't shoot any moose, any cow moose. This like we're looking for bull moose right now, but mm-hmm. they're hard to find. And everywhere you go, you'll see uh, either it's oil and gas activity if you go up north. Then if you go wherever you see moose towards, you know, going to Fort St. John, they're, they're in uh, some private property where there's fence and so there's nothing you can do. So, Do you think with the, the recent agreement between Blueberry and the, the province that, you know, the moose might come back and you guys might be able to start hunting again more regularly, I would assume? Um, or would it take, that would take a long time for them to come back, wouldn't it? I think it would take them a long time. I think what we need to do is we need to uh, control our own, our hunting. Mm. We need to control the hunting because right now um, they have, um, the the province gives out a uh, license for, yeah. Yeah. and then everybody else is eating meat, moose meat too. So by the time there's, you know, there's not enough for us, I think. I don't think there's enough for to feed everybody. Yeah, I know that has been a, a big topic of conversation yeah. every year when the limited entry hunting fees come out and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's a big conversation. Um, and, oh, sorry. And I think what they got to do is they need to do something with the um, with the grizzly, with the grizzly and the uh, wolf population because they are part of the. Uh, I think they're they're a part of the um, our disappearing moose because. Mm. The wolves, the wolves are, I think they're overpopulated now, the wolves. I think there's a lot of them because they have a, I don't know, they have some kind of regulations on them. I'm not sure, but. 
Um, going back into, again, a little bit of your upbringing, going back there. So were you, you're born and raised, Blueberry River First Nation? Yes. Um, did you ever leave the area? Did you live in Fort St. John for a bit? I know you did go to Northern Lights College for a bit, but did you live in Fort St. John or did you still live on the nation? Um, when I went to school, I lived in Fort St. John for um, four years, mm. but then I always had my house, so i come home on the weekends and... Um, uh, I never did leave. I'd, I'd go away, but I'd come back. So. And uh, what did you do at Northern Lights College? I did. I did my upgrading. It took me forever to really, you know, I had to go back to do upgrading because I left the school system because because of the Indian Day School. We were, you know, they were verbally abused, physically. Yeah. Um, and um, then when they sent us they shut down the Indian Day School. They sent us to Butte Creek. Uh, it was a school district 60 school. And then we were with the uh, our farmers, the, the, Mennonite, the Mennonites. And all they did was they fought with us. They, you know, I spent most of my time fighting in school. So, um, so I left the school system and I, I went to work. I, I left work. I, went, I started working out when I was 16 years old. Uh, I went out and work. I went work as a camp cook for uh, one of the local uh, guiding outfitters, Don Peck um, Holdings. I went cooking for them. So I, I, then I cooked for them for three years, and then um, and then after that, I uh, then I got involved with the band again. I got into band politics, and then um, and then I raised my little family, and then. Then I went back, during that time I went back, then I thought, you know, hey, I think I should go back, I think I should go back to school because uh, without education it was hard, it was really hard and I just like, um, then I, I knew, I said, okay, I gotta, I gotta put, look at this school, ed this education. So I did, so I went to learn Northern Lights College and I said, okay, this is this is my problem with school. I said, I said, I don't think anybody can hurt me anymore because if they do, I said, I want to stand up this time. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run away. And they said, oh no, it's not gonna happen. Um, and then, so that's when I went back to school. I just went back to school and I've been learning ever since then. I I did my upgrading for two years and then I took another two years of land resource management. And after that, I got into a lot of different other, um, um, I was ready to go back to school to get my bachelor's of general studies because I wanted to be a teacher. I want to teach our history and mm -hmm. our language. And um, I, I can want, tell, our, like yeah. still, that's just a passion of yours, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's what I wanted to do. But then I got hired on, and they're like, hey, there's an elders position. We're looking for an elders coordinator. I want to know if you want to apply. If you see an opening, just apply for it. So so I said, okay. Well, then I thought, well, what am I going to do here? Uh, should I go to school? Should I go to work? Should I go to school? Um, so I said, no, I think I'll go to work. So, you know, I keep in, I keep coming back, and I keep seeing, like, I keep seeing this. Our community needs our culture. That's what I keep seeing. Every time I came home, I look at, I look at a lot of things that happens here. The only thing that's missing for us, yes, we got nice big buildings and all this. We're lacking education and then our culture and our language. And then somehow it just 
somehow it just, it just all end up and it's just like, wow, okay. Maybe this is where our creator is steering me. Maybe this is my life. Maybe this is what I have to do. So I said, okay, I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot. And um, it's been, it, it's been, a, it's been a challenge. But so far, I think I'm kind of. I mean, I look back, I look at it all now, and then it's um, all that hard work and some frustrations. I think it, I think it's making a way. It's making doing something here so like you know a lot of people are some of our students are from Doig like Doig River they come and join us for our sewing nights mm -hmm. some of our instructors we have one uh, lady who helps instruct her in case uh, one of our elders don't show up so if our elders got something else to do then I get the other lady to help us out so how long have you been the uh, elders coordinator for uh, they hired me in April of last year of 2022, I think, yeah, 2022. So April. what does your job entail? Is that essentially just communication with the elders? Or? Uh, I'm I'm to build a program. Okay. So okay. it didn't happen that way. Like I was supposed to build a program and then do the program. Mm -hmm. But the way it really works is you got to build the program as it goes. Because I, tr I thought, well, maybe we should build a program. And then so... We did try to have elders meeting, like we sit together, we have elders tea, and but merely it was, we never did talk about, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to, then I, once in a while, I tell them, well, what do you think we should do? So, so then now I, I figured it out, the only way we're going to, we have to do it is, um, build it as we go along, mm -hmm. like make it, make it happen as we go along, like. So you mean like have these <coughs> workshops, yep. see what's next. You're yep. having everyone here, you're having conversations, yep. you're sharing stories, and then yep. maybe something sparks the next yep. step. Okay. Yep. So. And so with this workshop specifically, I keep looking at the sewing and, and moccasins because you have the sheet for me right here. Um, like I mentioned, like we talked about, it involves youth as well. Is that a part of your job too, coordinating the elders with the youth, like m making the program so that they're aligned or, or meeting with each other? Yes, okay. yes. That's what we're trying to do. Mm. We're trying to uh, connect the elders and the youth because um, they are, they, our elders are going to, you know, they're, some of them will, hopefully none of them ever leaves us for another 10 years, but. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. So now the youth is our future generation. So now we're trying to line them up and um, to make a connection to each other. So, um, let me just look where I'm at with my questions here. How many siblings did you have growing up? Um, I have three brothers three and myself. Brothers. There's just four of us. Four of you. Yep. Um, so it, it seems like just kind of talking about your, your mom specifically, your dad, it seems like outside of school, you guys had a pretty good upbringing. Um, it wasn't too bad. We always had something. We were always doing something like, you know, we, every day, like every day it was, um, we have to get up in the morning and we have to go, you know, either we have to go haul wood or water for my grandma or else we got to, first we got to do, so then me and my brothers, okay, I said, us two will go do this for Granny, and then the other two will do it for our house. So, so every day it was something to do. But then, the best time, I like when all the work is done, and then we get to slide, or else we get to go skating. Or in the summertime, we spend a lot of our time swimming on 
Blueberry River, we always fought with other kids about there's a there's a bend in Blueberry River we called our, our water hole. Mm. So we always fought all of us kids we always fought for the uh, for the uh, for the the Blueberry River corner bank. Because <laughs> from there somebody made a we had um some one of the bigger kids they made a they made a a, a mudslide from okay. the bank. From way up there, we slide all the way down to the uh, to the river. Oh, that would be <laughs> so fun. We, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dangerous, uh, but fun. It is. So, I mean, you know, there's always some somebody older at the bottom. There's stuff, little kids, the deep part too. So mm. there was always somebody there to go and grab them and pull them out oh, of the river. That's stuff. Awesome. So, so it was awesome. We grew up on Blueberry River. You know, Blueberry River was like our um, was like our babysitter. Like even. Uh, during the summer, during the summertime, when there's heavy rain and it just the river would be just full and it was brown and raging, but we still play by the river. Never, you know, uh, what we did there was we uh, we tied each other up and. My, my brother Hank, I don't know how many times we had to pull him out of the river. I keep telling them, don't go near the river because when you go near the river, the banks are soft and they. So good thing we we tied, you know, we all tie each other up towards each other. So us bigger. So when my brother Hank went in the river, we had to pull him out, and I don't know how many times I pull him out with his hair. <laughs> After I pull him out with his hair, I slap him in the head. I tell him, "You better not tell mom you fell in the river, or they're not gonna let us come play at Blueberry River." So would he just slide in, or like fall in, like how? Like he just fall in, you know, when you go to the edge of the, it's yeah. just soft mud. Yeah, it's soft, so you and can then, slip or. So it just slides in. Oh, oh man, a good good thing we uh. But that's how we look after each other, like mm -hmm. back in those days. Like, it sounds funny now, but you know, um, that's how we, we look after each other for survival. Mm -hmm. Like, we take care, like, I was the oldest in that group, I was the oldest of my little brothers. So, if something happened to one of them, then we all, you know, we're all going to get a licking for yeah. that. Like, we're going to get a spanking and. We're not. They're gonna let us near the river. Well, it's genius as kids mm -hmm. to tie you, mm -hmm. tie you guys up so that you stay together and yeah. that no one gets lost. That's I think that's uh, genius another, for a kid. <laughs> and then another time is uh, in the in the springtime. You know when the ice ice when the ice break breaks and then the ice flow come down. We used to the like the river just running and the, there's a big ice jam and we're just jumping from ice to ice, like you know. We never ever thought, you know, they're just like, don't you slip or else you're going to fall. You're going to get a licking. You know, we never think of any danger, but we're always, you know, looking out for each other. And um, I think about that now and I, like, if only this generation could see that, you know, um, being in Blueberry and by the river was the best time of our life. And then in, in, in the winter, we after we do all our chores and all that, then we we get to slide. We we get to we we get to go sliding with all the reserve kids and and in the moonlight it was the best time. We're oh great, we're going sliding. So it was. I mean, I just love the Blueberry River. I'm just blue. Old Blueberry site is my home. I always I can't leave that place, even in the winter, even in the summertime. What I like to tell the elders is if we could turn the old Blueberry Reserve into a memorial park mm. where all the old houses used to be, we can plant a tree 
in memory of our loved ones that are gone, then we can have a make like a park like in the middle where we could gather and then we can have, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day, whatever. We can have something going on in like here. Like almost like a gather, yeah. memorial gathering space, right? Yeah. When did uh, you guys move from the old one? Was that in the 70s? No, we just moved up here in um, January of 1985 was when I moved 85. into my house here. Okay, because when yeah. did Doig and Blueberry split? We split in 1977. Yeah, 77, that's August what I August 1977, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I want to go back a bit. So when you were talking about Northern Lights College, you were talking about afterwards you did some land management stuff. And I was looking at an old article from 2011 explaining mm -hmm. how you assisted your mom in monitoring oil and gas activity yep. around trap lines. Mm -hmm. How did that work and, and what happened there? Um. It worked really well. Um, it was the, the teaching the teaching I had from land resource management and monitoring these um, oil and gas seismics and the pipelines. It really worked, and now it because plant plant uh, for the plants and how you you know how you identify areas where there's a move calving ground or or a mineral mi mineral spring and etc. So it. It really worked really good. It was good. I was able to make good reports on that. So, because I was going to ask about that, because I mean, obviously, I I brought it up once already, but it's such a big thing for you guys with the agreement with the province. Mm -hmm. That seemed like like the the new agreement coming out of it's like a bigger mm -hmm. a bigger piece of what you and your mom were doing with monitoring, yeah. right? Is that essentially yeah. what it is? And are they are they using the old records that you had um, the old reports that you had done up? I hope so. Yeah, because I would imagine. Yeah, they would. I hope they did because I think that's why that's why I made those reports was because of that. Like some of the reports I remember, I really do hope they they use it because a lot of these seismic programs that happen in uh, there's usually an archaeology site. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking, I was telling them, if the oil companies can come back in the summer. And they can uh, revisit these arc sites. We'll use our young kids, and they can, and then we'll use the local um, archaeology company in Fort St. John, and they can make us. I know in archaeology, you kind of got to tell a story. You know, you got to make the story of what you what you think it is, and um, where it's situated, how it's situated. Like this one place we found is, um, it looked like a, a, a burial site. And then um, the oil company said, oh, no, it's not a burial site. I said, yes, it is. I said, look at those, the, you know, the, they had arc like flags there. They didn't believe me. So, so I called uh, OGC, uh, the Heritage Department, and then I also called um, uh, Kerry Wald. He used to own that northern, he had an arc company, northern something, I can't remember. I called him, and then so he did come out. Yes, he said yes. There's a, the, it's a, it's a burial site, and he showed me those. He showed he had all the records in there, and I told the oil company, see, please. So, so the thing was, um, their uh, their seismic line, their seismic uh, pipeline was gonna come right in the middle of where that arc site was. So now, because of that arc site, they have to move. They have to move their li their line 200, 200 meters, um, either that and what that direction, or they couldn't move this way because 
the highway was there. So they were going to have to move this way. They didn't like it because they have to go back and redo their maps. And I was like, well, sorry. Oh, of course. Of course they were going to be mad at that. Yeah. They're just like, well, I don't... Like, they, they really didn't, and, and they thought I made $500 a day, and I said, yes, I do. No, actually, I make $1,200 a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we it was, they really didn't like us there, but then after a while, like, you know, I started communicating there, and then um, this is where I, this is where, during that time, I saw there was a lot of violence against the, the Native workers and the non-Native workers. The non-Native workers didn't see, the, all they saw the area was, you know, what kind of oil and gas mm. they're going to find in there and oh, money, no money, how yeah. much money they're going to make. And meanwhile, the native were just mad. No, I can't go through there because there's a, there's a moose lick or whatever. So then, but there was no communication. So during this one safety meeting, I had to go and I had to stop them. Like, okay, you guys, you don't need to fight. We're all here for the same thing. Mm. So then I explained the reason why they... Why they, why they didn't want to cut down this old tree? This, it, they called it the cult, culturally modified tree. It was, it was a home for the woodpeckers that were going to come back in the spring to, to build nests for their, their, their new babies. But they didn't understand that, oh, it's just an old tree. And, and I, don't know, I don't know how many people were going to get beat up for that. But anyways, I had to go in there and explain that to them, right? So um, there's a lot of, you know, I could have, Actually, you should write a book about my work out there. Like, there's a lot of things that um, work out in the field is so different than what's said in meetings like this. Mm. Then when you actually go out there and work, it's a different story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's why they call it paradise. Welcome to paradise every day. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, you did you did presentations for for oil and gas yes. companies as well, right? Yes. So was that um, after the monitoring? Um, that was or after was the monitoring. Yeah. Because I was going to say you just talked about communication. It seemed like you had a knack for that. You know, just yep. given that story about you know breaking yep. up that fight. Is yep. that kind of the the goal? Is like, hey, this yep. is why we're here. This is why yep. this is important. It was just to explain to them like why like. Why is it so important to move it away 200? Like, why do we have to move this line? Because the way they did it, well, I hope it changes now. In the past, the way they did it was, if an oil company wants to go and uh, do some exploration on oil, on seismic, they go ahead and they make their map, they send their surveyors out there, and way after that project is all done, mapped out and everything, and then, then they then they come they ask us to come in and I tell them it's way too late. Like why did you guys not have somebody from the community when you send your survivors out there, your survivors and your um uh surveyors and your uh your your map people. You should have sent our or you we could have sent our, our um our young guys or young ladies that are that are knowledgeable to the land like and and inspections. Uh, winter inspections should never should be reinspected in the summer. Is what I keep telling them. You can't inspect a line with that much snow. Like you gotta redo it in the in the. Um, you gotta reinspect it in the summer. Like even you know they gotta go back and look at all the work. There's a lot of damage that's done. Like some of the. There's this one big pipeline that we did in Jetney. Uh, we went, we were there like about two years ago. We went down to my mom's um, 
My mom has two cabins down by the river, Beaton River. We went over there in that old um, seismic right away, and it's all just, um, yeah, the grass, it's all mixed, mixed, mixed uh, plants and all that, but the ground under is just like split open, like it just, I don't know, kind of soil they put, I don't know what kind of soil they add on top, so I was telling them you guys need to do a reinspection on that, mm. so hopefully this all change now with now that blueberry has a, has a, as a another agreement with them so mm. well and i was gonna say with that too like with all of your experience in the oil and gas industry what's the the first thing that comes to your mind the biggest part of this agreement that you're you're positive about moving forward i think what uh, i think the most positive thing is um we need to use our elders to to man for um wildlife management and how we're going to use the land and how we're going to preserve it for the future. I think that's important. Like, not everything is oil and gas, oil and gas. Like, we need to look at things. Like, we need to look at, um, what about our berry patches? Mm -hmm. I tell you, when I started this last summer, I was looking for, we we're going to go, I was going to uh, take a group of elders, we we're going to go pick berries again. Like, uh, with the kids, with the young people. Well, we couldn't find any berry patches the wild ones because of the, I think all the buds froze after. It was springtime, it, then the buds were coming out, then we had another big freeze. So it freezed all the buds, so there was no berries. So then, then they had some, um, uh, they had some berry farms, but the berry farms too, they, they there was nothing. They didn't have any berries, so. Um, I think we need to preserve our wild berry patches. It needs to be preserved because that's what we're going to go back to survive. That's what's going to save us is the way we um, we look, the way we use our food for survival. And, and that we, goes along yeah. with caribou, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the population yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so our last episode, uh, I talked with Elder Jerry Atachi from Doig River First Nation. Um, you might know who that is. Yep. And um, during that time, something popped in my head, and I never asked it to Jerry, but I wanted to ask this to you. Is he, he had a very big memory. He knew a lot of things, had a lot of stories for us, and Jenna and I didn't really you know, talk. And yep. what I noticed is, though, is he would pause a lot. Yep. And he would look at his hand. You knew he was thinking. And just naturally we would just kind of stop talking now i'm straight out of a, a radio television school i'm a journalist like i'm used to if there's dead air you know you kind of mm -hmm. ask the question right away the reason why i bring this up is i want to know what are some some elder etiquette that you teach to the youth on how they um interact with elders uh number one thing is um never ever try to go by a schedule Okay, 10 o'clock, we're going to do this. No, you just bring them in, and there's a lot of respect. You're, they are, they are the, they are the knowledge people, and they have their, their, they're the ones that can say when their time and their space and how they do it, and so everything is, and it's a lot of looking. So you're always looking, and you're always looking at their face, what it looks like, and, um, it probably comes from the way we were were grown up. Is when um, 
I remember the late Charlie Yehi, we call him our, our grandpa, our Asad, Asad Charlie Yehi. When he came to visit at our home, as soon as he come in, uh, my mom would just go like this to us, and then we all just sit down. We would never... Um, Grandpa Charlie, when he sit down and he eat, we, we don't move. We sit down because he was... My mom said he was such a, like a holy person, so... Um, he was, he was higher than us all. Like the way we, the way I remember listening to him was, um, he said he's here. He's here as a dreamer. He's doing the work that Jesus or God tells him to do, and he's, he gets these messages through his dreams. So, and he's always, and I always hear him. He always tell us, be honest, be, um, don't lie. And be kind, you know, kind and humble. Like, don't be loud and proud and all that stuff. I always remember that, you know. Just and so that's that's what we do. Like, as soon as they come in, we all sit down. We don't move. Or even when they go to their place, and our parents tell us, my mom tell us, okay, while well, I'm here feeding them and cleaning up, you guys bring in wood and water. So that's what we do. We, bringing their wood and their water with fella and then after that we just sit and we wait then um, then after my mom feed them then we go home and we used to have a big garden so my mom always takes the vegetables to them like potatoes uh, she cooks she bakes a big pan of bannock and she takes it over there and um, and then if she has the extra boxes she always has the extra box of uh, tea tea bags um, and she takes it over there for them, and then we leave it with them. So, so all, and it's always, there was a lot, um, I remember always looking and watching, watching my mom's body movement, or her eyes, or her, the way she, if she's talking and she's looking at us, it means she's telling us something, so constantly looking, right? Um, nowadays, you don't see that, like our, they, our kids don't know that, so... I'm trying to, it's, it's, it's amazing, like, you know, with my grandkids, I teach them all these stuff, like, when they're not or bigger, I don't know if they remember half of the stuff I told them, but my grandson and I, we always used to make fried, deep-fried bannock, as soon as I see him, I always tell me, Grandma, we're going to make deep-fried bannock, and then when his mom kills a moose, and then, so, I go help his mom skin, and he was just like, Grandma, he said, I kill moose. He said, me and you, we go skin it, okay? And I said, okay. So, so. That must be an awesome feeling, that's too. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> he just thinks, like, he's just like, oh, my mom can shoot a moose, and my grandma can, me and my grandma, we're going to skin it. Like, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. Was it like that for you, looking up, looking at your mom? Like you just described that moment when yeah. she's talking, as yeah. looking at your mom and your dad? Because yeah. another thing I, even for me, Whenever I'm talking with an elder, I'm in a room with elders. Um, I, I just, I don't know if it's me. I just gravitate, like my attention gravitates towards them. It's mm -hmm. almost like you can feel that they have this this higher presence, right? And mm -hmm. even for you, just saying with you with your grandson, unlike mm -hmm. looking up to to yeah. his mom and and maybe even looking up to you as well, is that mm -hmm. that's the essence of an elder, right? Yep. Like that's what it is is looking up to this this person who does all these things and who's teaching you and who's trying to guide you in life yeah. as well and tell you these yeah. stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's why for me, I think like 
That's probably how my grandparents and my mom, they think now. It's like, you know, raise a good good human. Raise a good human being. Like, respect is one of the things. And, you know, being quiet and humble and um, always want to help out. Like, kind, uh, even one kind word or smile goes a long ways. I remember that always. Um, my mom was always kind and humble. She still is today, like, even though, um, you know, she's getting up there in years. And um, I use a lot of sign languages with her because she lost, she has hearing aids, but she doesn't wear them. She's like, nah, too, too loud. I don't want to hear everything loud. <laughs> One time I told her, put your hearing aid on. She said, no, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to wear this. Well, I have to use sign language all day, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, how many kids do you have? I have three adult kids. I have two daughters and a son. Um, were you close with them? Like, do you have uh, a relationship kind of like you and your mom did? Yes, I do. Yes, I have a good... Uh, well, I shouldn't say it's good, but it, we have really... I have with my daughter, Robin, and Judy. Mm-hmm. Judy's the chief here mm-hmm. now. She's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I didn't want to talk too much about Judy because it was, a, it was about the podcast episode about you. But yeah. um, when she got elected uh, and, you know, kind of really got th- put into the deep end with, you know, mm-hmm. in the midst of the cumulative impacts, um, negotiations with the province, a lot going on in, in the region. Um, my only question for you is, is seeing your daughter do this, what's what's... What's the feeling like? Is it good? Is it bad? The work that she's been putting in, like you're kind of sitting back and watching her do this and being a leader in the community. How is that feeling for you? Um, I have a really good feeling about it. I think um, I know um, she has a lot of her teachings from my from my mom and from myself, and I I know that uh, there's she has there's honesty, and I actually feel good about it. I know it's a big job. Um, I know that you can't satisfy everybody, so, um, but I'm always going to be behind her, like, with anything, I'll be right behind her, or whatever she does, wherever she goes, um, if I'm not there, I'm with her in spirit, so. Um, eventually, I do want to sit down and talk to Judy, uh, once, once she has time, she's so busy, um, but one question I did want to ask you, if, if you can kind of let me know, how does the... Uh, council system work within Blueberry because it's it's through lineage, right? Like it's a family. There's yeah. a set amount of families, yeah. and then they're voted with the family. Is that how it works? Um, what we what we what we have a, we have a different system now. It's called band custom. Okay. So then we have um, we have family groupings. So for, there's a late Dan of Thassen family, the late Edward of Thassen family, uh, the Davis family, and the Wolf family. And the Yehi family. So there's five family groups. So every four years, we vote our family, you know. So, okay, there's election coming up. So then our family gets together then. So we said, okay, um, we always want to to try with the young ones. The young ones got to go out there and they got to get their feet wet because they're going to be the ones that are running the show. Like, um, so then um, we all get together. So then we... Okay, whoever wants, um, who's going to run? Okay, not everybody could run. Mm-hmm. Maybe two can run. And then so then, and then so they start having their, you know, why they want to run, what they're going to do. And 
And then so when the day comes of the election, so then we vote in, so that person gets voted in. And then so after that, out of those five people, then they got to, then there's, uh, there'll be names of people that that are going to run for chief. So then, then it's decided then, so this, this family rep has to go back to their family and tell them, okay, these are the list of names we have for people. Who are you going to vote for? Who do you want in there? So then we, then we look at the list of names and we say, well, we want this. The majority of us will go for this person. So, so that's how it runs. And then, so then they come back to the council chambers and they all vote on it. So, and so, those, so the majority oh. was, so the majority of vote for one person uh, it has to be a quorum, quorum of uh, council mm. to vote on that person. So. so those five families, those are, are those like the original families? Like, how does that work? Like, why were those five groups picked, essentially, is my question. Um, because that's, that's the original families yeah, the, of the okay. community. Okay. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. Um, we're, we're winding down here. We're coming to a close on the episode. I mean, I still have tons of questions. That's the... <laughs> the the negative part of the episodes we only do an hour but I will definitely need to talk to you again Sandra um, but one quick question I have coworker of mine a friend of yours told me about your famous bannock bread hot dogs oh, right. so is it just you're making bannock and just putting the hot do- like how does that work because it sounds delicious when she told me that and I needed to ask <laughs> so it's um it it's bannock dough like mm. you know you put you make your bannock dough and then you get the hot dogs. And then you just take a piece of bannock and you just roll the um, roll the hot dog in there, and then oh, you bake it. Oh, it's like it a pig, like a, pig like a blanket. Pig in blanket, oh, yeah. Oh my god, that would be yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, oh man, that sounds delicious. I'm so yeah. hungry. I haven't ate all day. <laughs> yeah. uh, last question for you. Uh, we ask every guest this question: uh, What does reconciliation mean to you, Sandra? Reconciliation means to me is to. Um, you know, talk about what the past has done to us and, you know, to move, how we're going to move forward. Like, for instance, I know, I, I don't know if it's the right time to talk about, but Motney Indian Reserve. It, it breaks my heart when I talk about it because our elders call it the place where happiness dwelt. Indian Affairs sold it to the veterans that were coming back from World War II. And half of those, some of those people in Fort St. John still own the land there, but we've got all our, that's what we're fighting for, our treaty land entitlement. So I was just, sorry, I was just going to say, because I was talking about Jerry. Jerry talked about that, the Montney claim, um, that he was a part of that, um, the lawsuits, I think it was in, I don't know the dates. Yeah, Yeah, the Montney claim. And he he was talking to us about it, um, but I didn't know there were just, People still fighting for it. He didn't mention that. Well, well, we. Uh, <coughs> is it blueberry specifically? Um, blueberry. That's part of uh, the treaty land entitlement. Mm-hmm. Is part of that. It's, oh, okay. It's it's that. It's okay. what uh, we are getting compensated for for Mot- when Motney Indian Reserve was taken away from us. That's Fortune John Beaver Band. Mm. So that's part of that, and uh, the highway claim is the highway um, is part of that. Motney, that Motney Indian Reserve. So I think, you know what, I'd like to, I don't know, in my heart, I really, really, really would like 
the city of Fort St. John, I want to talk to them about this. I did talk to the, the, the former mayor about it, but I never got anywhere. Uh, she works for us now. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> just go to the yeah. office. <laughs> and um, so what I'd like to see is some um, reconciliation on that. You know, we need to let, we need, like a lot of the public in Fort St. John don't know about it. Mm -hmm. uh, if they, you know, I wish we could, you know, they could be educated about that because right now we are, you know, for all this, um, we're getting our tree land entitlement, we're getting uh, Charity, there's property in Charity Lake and Red Creek and uh, uh, the dancing grounds and Ping, and Ping, Ping Mountain area. Um, I think what they need to know, it's um, it's not for free. It, it has to do with Motney Indian Reserve. And um, so they don't have to, you know, be uh, talking about, oh, well, we don't want to live beside those Indians. Like, you know, um, um, it's too bad they're going to have to because... Um, um, they need to know why we're getting that land, like why this is all happening. It wasn't because of, it was because the land was wrongfully sold by Indian, oh, Galabaw, Galabaw Indian Affairs and the Department of Indian Affairs and the Department of Veteran Affairs, there were probably buddies there. So, so it's not for nothing. And then just to uh, let them know that, uh, you know, Nothing like this will ever, ever happen. Like maybe it did happen to our generations, to um, our past generations, but it's not going to happen anymore because uh, I'm here now and I would I would put up a big fight if something like that ever happened. Like um, it was just that, like now they put us way over here, like we're one hour north of 14 John, whereas if we would have been in Montney Indian Reserve, we would have only been... 16 kilometers south of Fort St. John or north of Fort St. John. So I think, you know, we need to, city of Fort St. John needs to know that, that they did, they did us wrong, like, you know, and, um, but we can move forward. Like, you know, if we, even if we talked about it and use a part of that as an education and, um, um, know these Indians, they're not getting it for nothing because it was, it was owed to them, like all these things that we're getting. It's that's not because we're um, should have been. You should have yeah. got it what 30, 40 years ago, yeah, right, or yeah. decades ago. I, yeah. I don't know the exact time frame, but it was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, do you think now there's still progress to be made? Obviously, there's still mm -hmm. a lot to be made. But do you think the progress going on right now is good, especially for the First Nation, for Blueberry um, specifically? For Blueberry, it's good. Uh, it's we are kind of behind from all the provinces, then uh, everybody, I mean, all the other communities. We're behind because of um, um, all the past uh, politics that weren't, that didn't work. Uh, poor politician leadership. But now I think it's, um, we're getting on the right track. It's slow, but it's, I think it's good. It's a good thing. Like we're bringing, bringing our people back together, and no more division. There's no such thing as cheat as uh, crease and beavers because we are both beaver and crease. We're creavers because um, the majority of us in all these five family lines, we're all connected to a beaver or a cree. It's either our grandmothers, our grandmothers, and our 
fathers or so majority I think like for uh, for myself I'm 80% probably a beaver and then probably about uh, the bloodline of my of my beaver of my Cree is probably maybe about I'd say about 50 50% but the majority of it is beaver because um, my grandmothers both of my grandmothers my grandma Jean, my grandmother Jean, Jean Sakona. Um, Indian Affairs gave her that English name, but before that she was known as daughter of Chief Sakona. Um, she was uh, she was a Beaver Indian, and my grandma from my from my dad's side was um, was a Beaver Indian. So. Well, I will. We'll end it there, Sandra. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for uh, for talking to me, even after I got my car stuck after a couple <laughs> hours. That's but what I, I thought. It. Oh, I probably got stuck somewhere. <laughs> oh man! And having to phone my boss. Oh, that was. Uh, it was a Monday for sure. But no, thank you so much, Sandra. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're all done. Awesome. <laughs> Make sure you guys subscribe to Before the Peace using your favorite podcast app or at energeticcity.ca slash podcasts. If you have a guest or program idea, email beforethepeace at energeticcity.ca or beforethepeace at musafm.ca. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.